You're listening to Moody Radio 89.3, Mornings with Eric and Bridget. Well, the book of Hebrews points us to a better way. But what was the former way and who is this book written for? What can we learn as we study it during this month of March with Today in the Word? We're going to talk about that with Dr. John Kessler, Professor Emeritus of Applied Theology at Moody Bible Institute. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be with you, Bridget. You know, it's interesting, uh, as you, before you even start, you kind of give us an overview of what we're doing here, and you talk about how uh, Jewish believers in the early church had to worship in a new way, and it was weird for them, it was it was hard for them almost, um, and you say, imagine if you had to do that. Well, in my life, it's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's not as drastic, but, you know, we used to use a hymnal, and we had a piano, and m- maybe an organ player, and in Sunday school, we used flannel graph, and there was no such thing as a over screen projector or anything like that. And the pastor got up and gave his 25 minutes and we were out the door. I mean, it was, it was different back in the day. Things are much, there was a choir, no choirs anymore. I mean, it's just, things are different today. And it's, it, I kind of feel a little bit of the tension you might be talking about. I think maybe it's not complete trust me, but a little bit, maybe. Well, I think it is true that, that in terms of styles of worship, they change over time and everybody experiences change. But I think one Radical difference for the people to whom the book of Hebrews was written is the things that they were letting go of were things that many of them were things that God had commanded in the Old Testament, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, here you have the law of Moses, and now they're being told that those things have been fulfilled in Christ, and they, can, they need to let go of them, at least in terms of uh, relying on them for righteousness. So that was a that was a shock, and I do think that there are people who have similar experience who come out of religious traditions where they have been thinking that the things that they do are the things that make them right with God, and they've 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 practiced them all their lives, and now they come to Christ and discover that really the only thing that puts them right with God is something that Jesus has done for them. And that for them can be very difficult, and I do think that there's a there is a, a, a same kind of shock really that the people who originally read the book of Hebrews might have felt in hearing that message, and maybe some of the same struggles. And that's why you call it a better way, and Jesus being that better way and centering our lives around Him. All right, so let's dive into a little bit of the book of Hebrews. Maybe get some. Initial understanding. First of all, the big question: Who wrote the book of Hebrews? Are you going to settle that for us today? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> it's, something, it's really a mystery. It's kind of a mystery because the book itself doesn't say uh, who wrote it. There are several names that have been proposed down through the ages. Clement of Alexandria, who lived in the second century A.D., attributed it to Paul, and for a long time in church tradition, it was viewed as a Pauline letter. And the, the theology of the book obviously agrees with Paul, but some aspects of the book's style seem to be a, a different author. Tertullian, another church father in the second century, theorized that Barnabas wrote it. Martin Luther conjectured that it was written by Apollos. But the truth is, we don't really know. There's not enough evidence to to really say. The writer speaks about the Temple of Jerusalem as if it was still functioning, so that the letter was probably written sometime before the Temple's destruction, 70 A.D., but but beyond that, honestly, we, we can't say with certainty who wrote it. 
Always sign your work. That's the lesson of Hebrews. One of the always sign your work. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so who who are the Hebrews? Who were these people? Well, this uh, you know, the, uh, based on the content of the information, it it seems clear that the book was written to people who come out of this tradition of the Mosaic Law. Uh, they had come to, it's clear that there are people who had made a profession in Christ, they'd come to the gospel, and in fact, they, uh, through that experience, they had even suffered some real uh, uh, persecution, some pressure. Uh, it cost them something to turn to Christ, and now they were beginning to question that. Uh, Hebrews 10.32 says that in the early days of their faith, they endured a great conflict full of suffering. But you get the sense from the things that the author writes that they're beginning to have second thoughts about that commitment. They're being tempted to return to the old way of the law. And the writer's main goal is to remind them of what they had believed and to exhort them to continue in the faith. Mm. Well, and, and even going back to the title again, A Better Way, can you expound a little bit more on what the former way looks like for these these group of Hebrews? Well, for them, it was the way of the temple. And the writer has a lot to say about the sacrifices of the temple. And so it was, you know, animal sacrifices. Uh, and and also there's probably some, some things mixed in there. Uh, he, at the very beginning of the letter, he talks about the superiority of Christ over angels, and it's possible that there were also some in the, there were some in the church who were had too high regard for angels and may even have been looking to them as some as mediators, something else other than Jesus Christ to stand between. Uh, uh, their sin and God and and to provide redemption. And so, but the basic flavor of the book has to do with, um, you know, the question of what is it that puts us right with God? And the writer of Hebrews is pointing them to Christ's sacrifice of himself as being the only only sacrifice that uh, God will accept. And so that's you know that's where these people these people are wrestling with that issue. It's, and you know there are I think again I think there's some overlap with with uh, many people today, maybe not necessarily coming out of Judaism, but people who are looking to other ways, other things to stand between them and God. You know whether it's the Virgin Mary, whether it's saints, whether it's you know whether it's spiritual beings, whatever that. The writer of Hebrews says something to us to point us to Jesus Christ is the only one that we can look to for salvation. Yeah, I was going to ask, didn't the former way kind of foreshadow the new way and, and really point us to Jesus and kind of show how Jesus was that that sacrifice? And so instead of the animal sacrifice, we have Jesus as the Lamb of God. There were a lot of pointers from the old to the new, Correct. Yes, and that's, you know, that's one of the great things about the book of Hebrews is that it helps us to understand the Old Testament. It helps us to understand the place of the law of Moses and why God would command his people to practice certain things. And then, you know, and then once you come into the the era of Christ, when Christ comes on the scene, that's no—why is that now no longer necessary? 
And so uh, it helps us to understand the, the superiority of Christ's sacrifice over all others. It helps us to understand the place of the law, which basically, as the writer of Hebrews agrees with Paul, that it is it was to prepare God's people for the coming of Christ. And so the language, as you pointed out, the language the writer of Hebrews uses is that these these sacrifices, although they were commanded by God under the law of Moses, were really only a shadow of redemption that Christ provides, as he says in Hebrews 10.1. You know, uh, one of the books you've written is When God is Silent. <laughs> and this uh, book of Hebrews kind of, you know, we, we have those seasons, those times where we feel like there's a distance, right? We're, we're, we're praying for help and we just don't hear answers. This book is kind of an answer to that. I mean, it even has examples. We go right to chapter 11 of of different uh, believers who in the Old Testament struggled. And uh, here here is how they uh, overcame through the power of Christ and uh, in, in their life, through the power of uh, what Christ has done um, for them. Uh, this is kind of an answer to that silence, isn't it? He's near us. He's with us. He's he's uh, he's for us. Yes, in fact, the writer has a beautiful statement at the very beginning of the book of Hebrews. It's one of the first things he says in chapter 1. He says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. So that, you know, first of all, it when I'm talking about the silence of God, I'm, I'm not saying that God never has never said anything. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's actually, you go, you have the whole Bible. He's spoken, as the writer of Hebrews says, in many, at many times in various ways. But Jesus is his last word. Jesus is his ultimate statement, first of all, about himself, in that, in that Jesus is the, the heir of all things and the image the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. And Jesus is God's last statement, his ultimate statement about redemption, about salvation, that there is, it is, there is salvation and no one else. He's the only way. So, um, in that, and then of course the, the writer, when he talks about the writer of Hebrews, when he talks about Christ as our high priest, and really is talking about the, the nearness of God to us through the person of Christ and the ministry of Christ. So, yes, I think you're right about that. Yeah, I love how chapter 1, verse 3 is just the, what you were talking about, though. Just the wording, it says the sun radiates God's own glory yeah. and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the power, by his mighty power and his command. And I just just love the, the imagery even of so many of the verses in Hebrews, and so many of our favorite verses even come from him. I, I think about what you write about on on March 13th, you talk about how we have this hope as an anchor. That's a very famous verse, and I think Hebrews is just packed with some of this, the imagery that helps us understand the hope we have in Christ. Yes, and that, and that is a wonderful, the idea of an anchor to the soul, and that's really, the again, the, the message that the writer of Hebrews is trying to remind the readers of, that you really uh, uh can't you you don't have anything else that's going to establish you in your relationship with God other than Jesus Christ he is the only anchor then there are some wonderful songs about that too <laughs> you know i i was uh 
I was pulled into March 9th, where you talk about drawing near and how we can approach God's throne, not with not with arrogance, <laughs> but with confidence. And that is that's when you think about it, that's truly remarkable that he opens up um, the opportunity for us to commune with him um, because of what Jesus has done for us. I mean, that's a remarkable thing just to even think about, but it's a freedom we have in Christ, which is, is, it's amazing. I think it's really important. It's an important uh, lesson for today too, because it seems to be, seems to me that in the church, we have moved away from the Bible's message of confidence and assurance and so much of what I hear when people are talking about our relationship with God, they're putting the emphasis on what we have to do. And really, the secret to assurance in the Christian life isn't self-confidence. It's confidence in Christ. It's an, and that's what, that is the writer's theme, to shift the weight of your assurance from something that you're trying to do to what Jesus Christ has already done that the work is finished, the sacrifice has already been made, the, the phrase that the writer uses repeatedly in the book is once for all, once for all time. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, if there is no, if there's nothing that we can bring to God that can outstrip what Jesus has already given on our behalf. And uh, that's, that's why we have assurance. That's why it's not, that's why it's not self-confidence. It's confidence in Christ because it depends on him. And what we forget is that's a life of freedom. I think we, we don't we don't yeah. grasp that at all. Well, and that's that was the concern for the not only the writer of Hebrews, but you see that you see that at several points in the New Testament and several of Paul's letters, he is you know, he sees people moving away from freedom into the bondage of legalism, into the into this bondage of earning, trying to earning our earn our own standing with God. And just as it was an issue in the New Testament era, it is still an issue today because there's something I think it's something in human nature. We have this default sense where we feel like, you know, well, we're gonna do this. We're gonna take care of this. We're we're not gonna leave it to Jesus to take care of it. And uh really salvation is only through grace, grace through faith in the work that Jesus Christ has already done for us. Well, let's let's wrap up our time in that point, because I think, as you've pointed out, the writer of Hebrews really wanted to put it on the bottom shelf for us to understand the better way and who Jesus is. Can you just explain for someone listening today who has not yet put their faith in Jesus and maybe just thought, OK, I'm a good person. I go to church. I you know treat my family well. Surely when I get to the judgment seat, my uh, you know good versus bad will be weighed and I'll be entered into heaven. Why is that not? the way? Why is Jesus only the only way for someone who has yet to put their trust in him today? Well, that's the, that's the basic lesson of the book of Hebrews, really. The basic lesson of Hebrews is that Jesus is the only way to God. He's better than anything else. Anything else, whether it's by sacrifice, whether it's by personal attempts to be good enough, anything else is going to fall short. So in that, in that regard, the message of Hebrews agrees with what Jesus said about himself in John fourteen six: I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is a better way to God because Jesus is the only way. 
so that what I would say to that person is whatever you're trusting in other than Jesus to bring you to God, you need to let go of that and you need to shift the weight of your faith and put it on Christ and accept his sacrifice on your behalf. And that's your claim to righteousness in God's sight. If you'd like more information about that, uh, we would love to connect you. Uh, text the word Jesus, 561-737-6035, and it has got some helpful information on that way, on that understanding of that. 561-737-6035, text the word Jesus. This is a great study leading into Easter Sunday, the last day of the month. So uh, this is so good. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for, for helping us understand this better way. We do appreciate your time this morning. Sure, Eric. Always a pleasure to be with you guys.